Section 12 of Mary Schweidler, the Amber Witch. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Annalisa Bodker. Mary Schweidler, the Amber Witch, by Wilhelm Meinhold. Translated by Lucy Duff Gordon. The Seventeenth Chapter How My Poor Child Was Taken Up for a Witch and Carried to Pugla. The next day, Monday, the twelfth July, at about eight in the morning, while we sat in our grief, wondering who could have prepared such great sorrow for us, and speedily agreed that it could be none other than the accursed witch Lizzie Colkin. A coach with four horses drove quickly up to the door, wherein sat six fellows, who straightway all jumped out. Two went and stood at the front, two at the back door, and two more, one of whom was the constable, Jacob Nake, came into the room and handed me a warrant from the sheriff for the arrest of my daughter, as in common repute of being a wicked witch and for her examination before the criminal court. Any one may guess how my heart sank within me when I read this. I dropped to the earth like a felled tree, and when I came to myself my child had thrown herself upon me with loud cries, and her hot tears ran down over my face. When she saw that I came to myself, she began to praise God, therefore, with a loud voice, and essayed to comfort me, saying that she was innocent and should appear with a clean conscience before her judges. Item, she repeated to me the beautiful text from Matthew, chapter 5, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And she begged me to rise and to throw my cassock over my doublet, and go with her, for that without me she would not suffer herself to be carried before the sheriff. Meanwhile, however, all the village, men, women, and children, had thronged together before my door, but they remained quiet, and only peeped in at the windows, as though they would have looked straight through the house. When we had both made us ready, and the constable, who at first would not take me with them, had thought better of it by reason of a good fee which my daughter gave him. We walked to the coach, but I was so helpless that I could not get up into it. Old Posh, when he saw this, came and helped me up into the coach, saying, God comfort ye, alas, that you should ever see your child come to this, and he kissed my hand to take leave. A few others came up to the coach and would have done likewise, but I besought them not to make my heart still heavier and to take Christian charge of my house and my affairs until I should return, also to pray diligently for me and my daughter, so that the evil one, who had long gone about our village like a roaring lion and who now threatened to devour me, might not prevail against us, but might be forced to depart from me and from my child, as from our guileless Saviour in the wilderness. But to this none answered a word, and I heard right well as we drove away 
that many spat out after us, and one said, my child thought it was Barrow, her voice, we would far sooner lay fire under thy coats than pray for thee. We were still sighing over such words as these when we came near to the churchyard, and there sat the accursed witch Lizzie Culkin at the door of her house, with her hymn-book in her lap, screeching out at the top of her voice, God the Father dwell with us, as we drove past her. The witch vexed my poor child so sore that she swounded and fell like one dead upon me. I begged the driver to stop and called to old Lizzie to bring us a pitcher of water, but she did as though she had not heard me and went on to sing so that it rang again, whereupon the constable jumped down and at my request ran back to my house to fetch a pitcher of water and he presently came back with it, and the people after him, who began to say aloud that my child's bad conscience had stricken her, and that she had now betrayed herself. Wherefore I thanked God when she came to life again, and we could leave the village. But at Ukaritz it was just the same, for all the people had flocked together and were standing on the green before Laban, his house, when we went by. Nevertheless, they were quiet enough as we drove past, albeit some few cried, How can it be? How can it be? I heard nothing else. But in the forest near the water mill, the miller and all his men ran out and shouted, laughing, Look at the witch! Look at the witch! Whereupon one of the men struck at my poor child with the sack which he held in his hand, so that she turned quite white and the flower flew all about the coach like a cloud. When I rebuked him, the wicked rogue laughed and said that if no other smoke than that ever came under her nose, so much the better for her. Item. It was worse in Pudkla than even at the mill. The people stood so thick on the hill before the castle that we could scarce force our way through and the sheriff caused the death-bell in the castle tower to toll as an advisum, whereupon more and more people came running out of the alehouses and cottages. Some cried out, Is that the witch? Others again, Look at the parson's witch, the parson's witch! And much more, which for very shame I may not write. They scraped up the mud out of the gutter which ran from the castle kitchen and threw it upon us. Item, a great stone, the witch struck one of the horses so that it shied, and belike would have upset the coach had not a man sprung forward and held it in. All this happened before the castle gates, where the sheriff stood smiling and looking on, with a heron's feather stuck in his gray hat. But so soon as the horse was quiet again, he came to the coach and mocked at my child, saying, See, young maid, thou wouldst not come to me, and here thou art nevertheless. Whereupon she answered, Yea, I come, and may you one day come before your judge, as I come before you. Whereunto I said, Amen, and asked him how his lordship could answer before God and man for what he had done to a wretched man like myself and to my child. But he answered, saying, why had I come with her? 
and when I told him of the rude people here, item of the churlish miller's man, he said that it was not his fault, and threatened the people all around with his fist, for they were making a great noise. Thereupon he commanded my child to get down and to follow him, and went before her into the castle, motioned the constable, who would have gone with them, to stay at the foot of the steps, and began to mount the winding staircase to the upper rooms alone with my child. But she whispered me privately, Do not leave me, father, and I presently followed softly after them. Hearing by their voices in which chamber they were, I laid my ear against the door to listen, and the villain offered to her that if she would love him, naught should harm her saying he had the power to save her from the people, but that if she would not, she should go before the court next day, and she might guess herself how it would fare with her, seeing that he had many witnesses to prove that she had played the wanton with Satan, and had suffered him to kiss her. Hereupon she was silent, and only sobbed, which the arch-robe took as a good sign, and went on, if you have had Satan himself for a sweetheart, you surely may love me. And he went to her, and would have taken her in his arms, as I perceived, for she gave a loud scream and flew to the door. But he held her fast and begged and threatened, as the devil prompted him. I was about to go in when I heard her strike him in the face, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, so that he let her go whereupon she ran out at the door so suddenly that she threw me on the ground and fell upon me with a loud cry. Hereat the sheriff, who had followed her, started, but presently cried out, Wait, thou prying parson! I will teach thee to listen! and ran out and beckoned to the constable who stood on the steps below. He bade him first to shut me up in one dungeon, seeing that I was an eavesdropper, and then return and thrust my child into another. But he thought better of it when we had come halfway down the winding stair, and said he would excuse me this time, and that the constable might let me go, and only lock up my child very fast, and bring the key to him, seeing she was a stubborn person, as he had seen at the very first hearing which he had given her. Hereupon my poor child was torn from me, and I fell in a swoon upon the steps. I know not how I got down them, but when I came to myself, I was in the constable, his room, and his wife was throwing water in my face. There I passed the night, sitting in a chair, and sorrowed more than I prayed, seeing that my faith was greatly shaken, and the Lord came not to strengthen it. End of section 12 Recording by Annalisa Bodker